0: Hey everybody, this is Michael Stiles. Welcome to another episode of the Good Brew Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the final act of our six-act storyline that we've been telling over this this series, these last couple weeks. This is act six, the culmination of our story. But before we get into that, I want to bring into play the guys that are sitting around this table today. On my right, Philip Burns. How are you, Philip?
1: I'm doing well.
0: What notes were those? I have no idea. <laughs> what, okay, what numbers were those? <laughs> those minor key. On my left, where majors and minors don't matter because he always plays the bass, Justin and Harris. That's
2: very true. How are you doing? Good.
0: You know, that's the first time I've been beaten to the question. I'm yeah, doing, I'm doing I'm, good. How are you doing? I'm doing
2: great. I'm drinking some good coffee right now. I'm going to talk about oh, that in a minute. But we will <laughs> talk.
0: <laughs> and across from me, Jordan White. How are you?
3: Doing well. How are you doing, Michael?
0: Just not great, Jordan. Not great. I was doing fine when Justin <laughs> asked me, but now I'm not a doing great. <laughs> a lot in has the happened. A lot has happened. Last
3: two seconds. <laughs> Did you taste? Some of that coffee?
0: Not yet, not yet.
3: But is that I, why you're it, in a it'll,
2: sour mood? It'll make all things right. For those, <laughs> all things will be put to right here.
0: <laughs> all things. I think there's multiple themes going on right now. In fact, without without any introduction or further ado, Justin, what coffee are we drinking? This is a mo- this is your moment. This is probably the first time on the Goodrew Podcast where we've said, Justin,
2: tell us about our yeah, coffee. This, this isn't going to happen again, so I'm going to make the most of this. Um, we are drinking. Kingdom Growers coffee. Um. Okay.
3: <laughs> Did you try it? <laughs>
0: Hell, okay. If you guys have been following us episode by episode, normally we talk about how get whole beans, right? Get some whole beans, grind your own beans, drink it immediately, and don't really between two to four weeks should be like your max shelf life on those beans. Justin, how long has the, have these grounds been in your office?
2: I don't. I don't quite know, sir. (laughs) At least a year. At least a year. But I will say, but we're doing an experiment. We are. We are. And I do. I do not want this to be a negative reflection on this company because I think this coffee is probably really, really good when it's brewed freshly off the the rack. Yeah, exactly. I I think we we may have waited a little long to do this one. A little long. One day we'll have to get a fresh batch. Yeah. And
0: compare with. No, we used all your batch. We so did. we need to buy two, put one on your office shelf okay, for a so, year. So no, no,
2: we know what it tastes like. Yeah, we do. Year. But you should still check out this company. I think if you like coffee, it actually has a lot to do with, well, let's see here, um, love through mission and respect through business. This is a company that seeks to partner with um, local communities and offer Opportunities for employment, but also it's an avenue for them to share the gospel with people across the world. So, oh, cool. definitely check out. Is it
0: like buy a bag, money goes towards mission or something?
2: Uh, It doesn't. <sighs> buy a bag, buy a soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Buy
1: a bag, save a soul.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it works. It seems like they are trying to offer employment to people to help, I guess, farm the beans and things like that. And then they will. Use that as a means to also share the gospel. So they're trying to build sustainable communities, but also use it as a means to share the gospel. So I'm I'm all for that. But Anyway, so yeah, That's check really it cool. out. That's they really got cool. a lot of different products, but Kingdom Growers is the name of the coffee, and it's like I, wonder as if I said, it's, it's, their, it's the nectar. I wonder if it's from the Garden own, of
0: Eden. Um, it's, this <laughs> is the if. Okay, I was talking over that. Sorry. This is the nectar of the Garden of Eden. Apparently, it is
2: coffee. Yeah, coffee. Farmed straight from the Garden of Eden. We don't know how exactly the farmers got past the cherubim, but they or, and the and the flaming sword. But they were <laughs> able to get in and get out with a haul of coffee, and that is what is in our cups. I
0: will say this: to continue the analogy, by the fact that you kept it on
2: your shelf for a year represents the fall. We've ruined what was once good. We did, but today on the episode, we are going to bring all things back. To their rightful place. That's what's going to happen here in a few minutes when we talk
1: about the end of the story. But so. it's not—we're not going to bring make all things new again with this current cup of coffee that we're drinking. No, but we can imagine. We can imagine. Yeah.
0: Let's talk some stories. So, if you guys have been with us over the last couple episodes, we've been telling the story of the Bible through six acts. We started with—I'm going to be popcorn style. Jordan, what's first? Creation. Okay, uh, popcorn. Jordan, second. <laughs>
2: Fall. Jordan popcorn. Israel. Jordan Popcorn. <laughs> Jesus. Justin Popcorn. Uh, that next one would be the church.
0: And on this episode, the consummation of all things. this is the end
2: of the story. Michael, would it be fair to say? Oh, I think I know what's about to happen. Are we in the end game now? We
0: <laughs> We're in the end game now. For our <laughs> listeners out there, we are recording this in the past. We're three days off of seeing Avengers Endgame. So if this seems a little outdated three months from now that we're talking um, Endgame references, just realize this is really fresh for us. (laughs) So just put on a Quantum Realm suit, jump into the Quantum Realm, go back in time with us like you're at this table, and everything will be good. And sorry if you haven't seen Endgame. I'll put a spoiler (laughs) alert on the episode title. So, yes, we are in the Endgame now. To finish strong, as custom, Jordan. Jordan. I want you to catch Mm. us up. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan has developed a new foghorn cough. (laughs) Jordan, I want you to catch us up, up to now, where we're at in the story. Act one,
3: we have creation. God created the heavens and the earth and the plants and the animals and all that. And also humans to partner in ruling over the earth with God. Act two comes the fall where humans didn't do their job and they decided to define their job themselves and that put humanity in separation from God. Then act three came Israel, which God singled out a family that eventually became Israel to be the redemptive people that would spread through all of humanity, essentially. They ended up failing. So then we have Jesus in Act 4 that came to be the final redemption for humanity, and he was perfect and did not fail. And then in Act 5, we had the church, which is followers of Jesus spreading what Jesus did and all that. Which is the act that we're alive in now. Yes. And then
0: now we're into Act 6 tonight. Which will be where we are heading towards, not just tonight, but in our lives in general. Philip, you've been tracking our vocation throughout this storyline. Catch us up to where we're at now and kind of where we're heading into.
1: Yeah, so act one creation, God creates human beings and gives them a vocation to represent him. And so when humans are rightly relating to God themselves and the things that they've been entrusted to rule and reign over, you have a flourishing world. In the fall, humans abandon their vocation and that they decided to place their trust to really elevate their own voices above God's voice. And so when they decided to turn from God, that thrusted the created order into chaos. And so because God had committed his creation project through the agency of human beings who were wisely stewarding their power, the rest of the story is essentially about God working all that out. And so he calls Abraham to be the person through which he creates this new humanity. And as Jordan already said, they, Israel consistently fails to live up to the vocation that God gave them. And so that begs the question in the story, kind of the, ten, the most tension is kind of brought into the story of like, will there be a faithful Israel? Or, you know, more basic, will there be a faithful human yeah. who can truly bear God's image? And so that's where Act Four, Jesus, comes into the picture. Jesus was not only the Son of God, but he was also a faith the faithful Israelite, the faith, faithful human. And so his call to follow him, you know, the call to make disciples, is really about it's a re-engineering of what God launched in Abraham around Jesus. So the Act Five is really that you know the Act we're in now is about this new humanity that's now around Jesus learning kind of the ins and outs of what it means to listen to God's voice with God's Spirit empowering us. Because before this, we, we don't have that level of dwelling, so to speak, right. God with us, which I'll punt to Justin at this point.
0: Yeah, so Justin, you've been tracking our idea of sacred space and presence throughout this storyline. Catch us up to where we're at now.
2: But Basically, the idea is that in the beginning, God was dwelling with humans. Like, there was no divide Right, in the sense that His presence was in the garden um, and they were walking with Him. And then we see what happens after that is that humans, they're driven out, but in, in essence, I think you could almost say they're in, in some ways fleeing God's presence, too. You could maybe make that argument. But either way, they are now removed from the presence of God. Right. And basically the whole story on that note is how in the world can humans be back in the presence of God? And it goes on this winding journey through Israel um, where you have God forming a new humanity through a family, yet they have, uh, even you know in the Old Testament, they have all sorts of things they have to do to even approach God because of their uncleanliness and, and all, all sorts of other ritual purity type things. But we get to Jesus, and I think that's where we see the idea, as Philip mentioned, of Emmanuel, God with us. God has made the way. He has come and he has dwelt, or in the word is used, actually tabernacled, among us. And I just skipped over a lot of themes again with the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, but those two things are very key in this whole discussion as well. Right. But we have in the New Testament Jesus dwelling among us and opening the way for then humanity to be restored in his image. And through that process, the Spirit of God is indwelling humanity and God's presence is very much with humanity again, and moving from Act 5 to Act 6, we get language in the New Testament talking about how that will be completed, Um, and you have different things that are kind of spoken of here, you know, the kingdom advancing, the idea of God one day becoming, all in all, the idea of the new Jerusalem not having a temple, because God will dwell with us again, and this idea of a return to an Edenic-type state, so... We find ourselves now sitting in the story in Act 5, that's where we are, but we're moving towards Act 6, and I think that's going to be the key thing for this discussion is, as we track that theme, is what does it look like? To move I, towards... Yeah, to move towards what... The end. Yeah, God being all in all, if, mm-hmm. if, you, if you will, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians.
0: What is the end game?
2: <laughs> the end
1: game, yeah. Would
0: you argue that we're in an infinity war right now, and end game <laughs> yeah. is... Act 5 is like infinity war?
1: For 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 those listeners who have no interest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah, sorry, very sorry, but we do, yeah, we do. So you just got it's, to bear with it's us.
0: It's like the evils trying to collect the Infinity Stones right now, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I
1: can make a. Yeah, no, there. yeah, I can see where you're going I, with I'm that. Going I somewhere. can see where you're going. But well,
2: like, evil's already been defeated. So so
0: one in fourteen million six hundred five. You can make the argument <laughs> evil was defeated then too.
2: When Doctor
1: Strange
0: saw he the would, future, it was vain. I could, they were trying in vain. Anyways, <laughs> we, we, we could
1: have a conversation of best possible worlds with that. Yeah, we Doctor could. Strange. So, so anyway, yeah, that's what that's where I would just kind
2: of wrap it up there. So cool.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Again, so yeah, today we're in the Act Six, the consummation of all things, the, the culmination of the story. It is the end, but also the beginning. So how does the story come to a conclusion? slash new beginning. That's a better way to say it. How does the story come to a new beginning?
3: I think it's just describing new creation. So like when Jesus comes back, the world is set back to, like as Justin was saying, how it was when Adam and Eve were in the presence of God. So then we'll be dwelling on earth with God, which the start of that would be the beginning of right that area of time, I guess.
0: And kind of tying in both those things, not only are we dwelling with God... But we're in partnership with him. So the vocation and the sacred space, they meet. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What's the verse in the Bible that it says, like, and in that time, God's dwelling place will be with man forever?
2: Yeah, so this is uh, from Revelation 21. um, Basically, this is the vision that John sees. Um, He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away there is no longer any sea, for those who are dreading that or wondering what that means. Think of sea as chaos, um, is what it would have meant to the hearers of this. So no longer any chaos. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, mm. made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, mm. and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away.
0: Okay, so that right there, to me, flies in the face in a good way of the traditional view of just going to heaven when you die and spending. Eternity, everlasting life, in this place called heaven, when you die, because that's all about God's presence coming down and living. That's more about yeah. the quality of life rather
2: than, even though we know the duration of it, but that's really talking about the quality and not the location. But I think. Well, I think there's directional here too. I think the key thing, one of the, there's a lot of key things here, but one of the key things in this passage is notice from the top of it the direction, the the. New Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. It's the reuniting of heaven and earth. So this isn't about leaving you know, a place. It's not about heaven or earth. It's about now they're 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 joined again and God's space and man's space are the same space. And that's the key thing here, um,
0: which it hasn't been that way since Act One.
1: Right. Well, it hasn't been that way to the degree that it will be that day. Oh yeah, no. But it's the sure church, in a lot of ways, pockets of that. Like the church, in a lot of ways, is mm. probably the most acute space yeah. where God's space and human space overlap. Yeah, the church in um, Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't
0: know if that's pot. Pa- sorry, sorry, sorry. Essentially, sorry. yeah. Wherever
1: wherever the kingdom of God breaks through. Which isn't doesn't necessarily happen in the church building,
0: but it happens in your everyday life. Yeah, wherever, yeah,
1: wherever, yeah.
0: I uh, I like the the image there of like just being like a little air pocket of the kingdom in that moment. So, you know, if you extend the reconciliation of Jesus into a situation, and Jesus is tended to in that moment, then I feel like that's like a mini,
2: very minute. But it counts, reunification of, of heaven and earth in that space. Yeah, I mean, going off what Philip was saying and what you're saying, I think the key thing here for the church in the present is the church is supposed to be, I a use place here, not in the sense of a building, but the, the body of Christ is supposed to be the thing or the, the reality that points to the future, that mm-hmm. tells the world this is what it's going to be like mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. So learn... So so, join up like yeah. basically join up because this is where everything's going. Yeah. So you can I've, either be a part of it or be left out.
1: I've heard it described as like the church, the body of Jesus is supposed to be a trailer of the final. Yeah, oh, it's a preview. A good, oh Four yeah, days. yeah. I like. So that. So it's you know as as excited as as we all as excited as we all got when we saw Ingrain. Now what are the people
0: that avoided avoid trailers avoid like trailers. <laughs> <explorers>? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Well, analogy breaks down. But analogy so. breaks down at that point. But but. I mean, yeah, the kind of anticipation and excitement you get when you see a trailer, the world should be getting. Right. That's when great. they rub shoulders with the people of God. Yeah, which you know is in a lot of ways an indictment of kind of how we see ourselves. Absolutely. I was just
3: gonna say, to be fair, some people are showing the wrong trailer. Yeah, bad trailer. yeah, that's a right.
1: wrong story, right? Yeah. So well, it's like, like the wrong. In any, I mean, well, I mean,
3: outsiders looking in, they'll see church. Corruption, yeah. or any time you know, that we
2: don't like that. reflect Jesus, who is the true human, the true, the true man, we are not actually showing the world what's coming. We're actually colluding with mm. the powers of darkness, and so we still, I mean, church is very guilty of that.
1: Yeah. But you won't find anywhere else outside the church a picture of the way the world will be, right? So, just for clarity, when we're talking about the end game, Acts 6, we're talking about a reality where heaven and earth, God's space, immaterial, is merged with our space, physical. So, what are we affirming? Right. We are affirming that our space matters. Like the physical world matters. So, our bodies matter. Being sacred space now for the ultimate.
2: Yeah. And i I'll, I'll just say this because I think for many people out there that may be listening if they have an upbringing like us this is a this is seems weird it seems a little bit different than what you maybe have heard. It's different than what I heard growing up. It's kind of like you're shooting the air at the wrong target like, right why think, are we
1: why are we not shooting to heaven
2: but yeah exactly so <laughs> let's I want to make an affirmation though here like because I think this is really important. Today, I mean, just in in light, I mean, I'll just share a little personal something. Like my great uncle on one side, he passed away today. He's 92, Mm. right? And he uh, he told the family yesterday, he's like, I'm ready to go. I'm tired. I want to be with Jesus. So I just want to say, I affirm, and I I fully believe, like right now, he is in the presence of Jesus. So there is a reality that is what is called in scholarship... uh, the temporal state, which means what happens to the people who pass away in Christ now, like if you in between time, yeah, is yeah, it's it, but that's the key thing there, Jordan. It's the in between time. Most people stop the story there. Most of the time, you think, okay, that's the eternal state, but it's not, and and that's one thing we want to affirm here is if you look at the whole of Scripture, there is a difference between the temporal state which you can say heaven that's I think that's a fair thing that's a good way to describe it those in heaven now right who are with right. Jesus versus the new heavens and new earth which is the eternal state that's laid out and there's a lot and to be honest there's a whole lot more said about the eternal state
1: in scripture than the temporal state
2: what does NT right call it it's
0: not about life after death it's about life, life after life after, life. after yeah. death yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: but even even there's not a lot on the temporal state and there's not probably as much as we want even on the eternal no, state no there's not but there's definitely more on yeah, it than the temporal For state. sure. We have a few passages that we can kind of piece together.
0: And also the key is it's bodily resurrection. At yeah. the end, yeah. Yes, it's not... For,
1: for the wicked and the righteous. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: And it's not just this elevated soul idea that I feel like has really infiltrated not just the world, but church theology especially.
2: It's, it goes back to our discussion. I don't know if we had this, but maybe, Philip, I think you brought it up at one point about just Greek... Thought Plato and Platonism
1: influencing mm-hmm. the early church, and that's kind of hung around. And it's easier, yeah, it's, it's easier to think of like, man, this body is so uh, such an obstacle, right? That it's just like yeah. that because it's such an obstacle, it's inherently bad. Yeah. I mean, we we wouldn't like that wouldn't be our, like what we would actually say, but that's essentially how we live, um, right? And so, but what the biblical worldview. What the Bible is saying is that the body is fundamentally a good thing. Yeah, so yeah. if like Acts so, 1 and Acts 6 can't be incongruent yeah. in the idea that the
2: affirmation of creation is very good, right, and, and that means the, the the physical and the spiritual, but the physical, too, is a good thing, then it can't—it's not a bad thing now, right? Well, it,
0: I feel like everybody quotes Romans with Paul about, you know, creation is groaning, but they just leave it at that. Like, they don't yeah. follow through on that. It's like, well, if creation is groaning, that means it wants to get back
2: to yeah, it it's, was. it's in it in the, the language as a woman in labor. Like, there's something new about to be birthed. Oh, here. yeah, that's great. That's the that's the idea that new creation, and and that's another thing we might want to talk about is the idea of how can in going back to the whole idea of the church when Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are already a new creation. So mm. this idea of okay, well, what is new creation? Is it this final reality that we're waiting for, or is it something that we experience now? It's both. Yeah. So how is it
1: both? Like, what would? Yeah. Paul says in Romans, I can't. I think it's uh, Romans six, five or six. But he says like essentially, God is renewing your mortal bodies. Mm. Mm. So it's weird. It's like we fundamentally think that like our bodies are decaying, which they are, right? We're not. You know, there's right. still old oh, people getting old. You yeah. know, there. Yeah. But on a level that we may not be able to discern, at least with our physical senses, like. It could very well maybe that God is actually renewing us too.
2: Mm. You know, I don't know. I mean, I well, I mean, He says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed transformed. by the renewal of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a renewing happening, right, and a conforming to the image of Christ,
1: right? I think the verse I'm referring to. uh, Can you look it up? It's Romans. uh, I think it's in Romans. Romans eight or five? May I think it's actually eight? I think it's eight. Eight. It's eight. It's uh, before the groaning. Do you mean to read it? Yeah, read read that passage, or just like those few verses. Okay, so
2: basically this is coming in the middle of an argument here, but Paul's talking about um, what it... Life in the Spirit. Yeah, life in the Spirit, because if you're in the flesh, flesh. there's death, right? Mm -hmm. But he says, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness... But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells See, in you.
1: See, so 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 what argument is he the making? if then if since God has done this to Jesus physically. Right. Paul is making a he's he's making a uh, a direct comparison yeah. that we can actually experience, not fully but on some level, a resurrecting life now. Yes. Mm. It's like one it's like day, glimmers, like a light bulb going. Phew. You know, it's like Yeah, it's starting to come on. Yeah, right? yeah. But it's not it's not coming on slowly for the rest of your life. Right. It's you can have I think what I'm inferring just from in my own experience is glimmer you have glimmers of the kind yeah. of life that will be you will have in the new heaven. So when Paul calls Jesus
2: the first fruits of new creation. The the implication with that is that
1: there will be more fruits mm-hmm. of new creation. Yeah. And that those who are in Christ will be a part mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um and just to yeah, the first fruits language for the longest time was so confusing to me, but imagine like the first tree to grow in the new heavens and the new earth, the first piece of fruit is that yeah. it would be created from the tree. Right. Jesus first thing to was bloom. The first thing to bloom in right. new creation. And there's more to come on and that tree. And there's more to come on that tree. Right? Yeah. 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 So the idea if you're thinking of
2: this on a 30,000-foot timeline type deal is like new creation has jumped forward into the present and kind of burst forth on the scene in the middle of this old, dying world. But new hey, creation— Paint a picture
0: has, of like a desert. Let's yeah, say got yeah, a, yeah. You have this one tree blooming in a desert. Right. And, and then it's got, and the rest of it's going to bloom a long— it's not supposed to bloom for a long time, but you have one that right.
2: bloomed. And then all of a sudden, this idea of the mustard seed starts to— Do you think of Jesus when he talks about the mustard seed, and then it's small, Mm -hmm. but it grows, and it becomes the largest uh, plant of the field, right? So the idea of the kingdom being where God's presence is realized and experienced, but also being where human vocation is Mm -hmm. lived out. So this is one day going to be a full reality for all creation. It's not now. We know that. God's still sovereign over all things, but the kingdom isn't... Fully realized.
1: realized
2: right. right. But
0: our job right now is to... We be, can't ultimately make it be fully realized, but our job
1: is to make it be realized yeah. in part. Right. We, well, even this uh, church Sunday, like... So in, in, in the Anglican tradition, you do the church calendar. They celebrate Easter for 50 days. Mm. So, Do you get school off that entire time? No. <laughs> no, but, but the sermon... So Easter was last Sunday. This past Sunday, they talked about it again. Yeah, that's awesome. In a different kind of way... But like the thing, my wife and I walked away with is like the whole point of this season of Easter is to kind of recalibrate our imaginations of what it looks like to be new creation people. Yeah, Mm. that that's the point of having this kind of intentional focus of you know feasting and celebration because like the end game is that for the people of God. Yeah, Um, and so so for us, it got really practical. It's like what what does it look like? for us to be people of new creation. Celebrate life. Yeah, celebrate life. Being mindful of what we put in our bodies, like being mindful of the thing just we consume in general. It's just opening up your imagination to kind of see being people of new creation in a more holistic way. Sure. Every every area of your life. Yeah. Um, not that God's going to like slap you on the hand if you mess up, but it's more of like, what would what would it look like if all of God's people on every corner of the earth were to have a new creation imagination. Well in the we know way that they lived
0: in new creation, I mean, not just amongst ourselves but also with God, it's gonna be like total partnership. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what does that look like? It's not an easy answer, but what does that look like nowadays in terms of total partnership? I mean, we could definitely start with marriages and relationships mm-hmm. there, but then you even start to ask like, what does that look like at work? I mm-hmm. mean, how to have a total partnership when, especially in our society, like we have bosses and employees, which is not necessarily how it's going to are not saying we're going to be God, but, like,
2: we will be in partnership with God. I mean, right. And I think, too, like, I know we're, we're, we're kind of—just so the listeners are aware, we're kind of blending Act 5 and 6 here because that's where—we're we're in Act 5, but we're pushing towards Act 6. We can't make it happen. God in his timing will. And we but, don't ultimately know what well, it looks but like. But we're called to live in anticipation of
1: it. Right. Well, it's, I think it's important to say we won't make it happen on our own— Right. But that doesn't mean what we're doing in Acts 5, right. between Acts 5 and Acts 6, is for nothing. Exactly. Right? Paul yeah. says, Your labor is not in vain, which is after his whole spiel on the resurrection. Spiel on the resurrection yeah. mm. seems to sh- show that, like, what humans are doing now between the resurrection of Jesus and the second coming, God may take what we've done by his grace and power and right. direction. And actually carry it over in a new creation, yeah. so it's going to count, which is it's exciting. Like the bank, yeah. can, the money you're putting in, he's going to,
2: right? They're he's going to harvest that. So there's whatever, whatever you're investing. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's,
1: two,
0: I can hear two potential pushbacks. But granted, these are pushbacks from our angle, from what we experience now. How do we know that this will all happen again? So remember,
1: we were talking about. I think it was Act one or two. I think it was two. We were talking about when. The whole taking of the fruit had less to do with the fruit being inherently bad. Good call. The tree wasn't inherently bad. Timing. It was that God said, essentially, what you desire from that, you're you, not ready. You're for not it. ready for that. It's like the driver's so license. Had, your t- so your So the we're not ready for it. Then it's taken all of human history for us to realize. Oh yeah, we're, we're not, not ready. Great, for that's it. a great callback. And,
2: and I think you can back that up entirely biblically. Yeah. Because if you notice with... So what Philip's saying here is in Genesis 3... Go back and listen to our fall episode. Yeah, go listen to the fall episode if you haven't. But in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... And God had told them not to eat of the tree. Right. It does not mean that that fruit is essentially, in its essence, bad. But it could have been a timing thing. In other words, because notice what happens. They eat, and they actually get what the tree tells And them. we know
0: that no- the knowledge of good and evil is a desirable trait throughout the
2: rest of the right. Scripture. Right. Well, notice this. What happens in the text when they get that? They are expelled from the garden, specifically, God says, so that they cannot reach out and take of the tree of life and live forever. Because... Notice now, in the end of Revelation, the tree of life is brought back mm. after they've eaten from the tree. So now it's the idea is now they're actually able to... They're ready to eat. Yeah, they're ready to eat from the tree of life again
1: after having eaten from so so tree. so, if you remember Genesis three, he says they can't eat of that because the, once they do it, they'll be like us. Yeah, it's like we're not ready for you to be like us yet. And, right. you know, I don't um, know, or or you're not ready. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, you know, both both, but like it's like in the in the end, it's like yeah, in God's wisdom, obviously He knew the fall was going to happen. Yeah, this it, is what it's the S- car analogy. This
2: is what C.S. Lewis calls the the soul building theodicy, and yeah. it's basically an explanation for evil evil exists. It's not good, but it exists now. And through this long story that we're in, humans are being, they're soul-building, this idea that we are being transformed into some type of being, being a, a true hum, true humanity. That can inherit. That, can yeah. Inherit yeah, that will be com- ready.
1: That will be ready. It's almost like the crucible. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're in yeah. this crucible. It's important, though, to say, Justin, say this is a theodicy yeah. and explanation. It's not the explanation no, for not, the reality right? of evil. That will remain a mystery until right, right. probably we're in the New Heavens. And theodicy earth. meaning? Theodicy would be an explanation. A defense, if you will, of God yeah. in light of the fact, in that, light evil of the fact that evil exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do
2: want to say something, though. In light of this idea, as we are anticipating the the final consummation of the kingdom, our job is to herald the king. Like we are announcing which king is reigning, right? So, yeah. and, and I just want to give an analogy here. So, Jordan, you ready for this? Yeah, dude. Okay, man. So, you are a subject of some realm, okay? Okay. And you are now out one day, and you're you're farming. What do you want to farm? Uh, pickles. Okay, you're farming pickles. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Jordan's a pickle farmer okay. in this uh in this. In this Can realm, we not do pickles? I hate pickles. which is impossible because pickled <laughs> okay. cucumbers. So. Pickled cucumbers. Let's do barley. Okay, right. barley. Jordan is farming barley. Okay, so you're out there <laughs> one day, and you encounter a a messenger. Someone rides up. He he rides up and he's he's on he's on a, a royal steed. Right. He he's coming up and he's like he looks super cool. Um, it's me. And and then I tell you, I say, hey, sir. Have you heard the news? What news? All right. The news is there's a new king of this country. And I know you may think that the king over in your capital is still in charge, but he's not. There's a new king, and he's actually the king of all the land. And you might want to join up with him now, because if you don't, you're going to be opposed to him when he brings the army in now i know i'm using language that's violent and kind of spooky yeah sure but but i think this will illustrate a point here yeah that's kind of the time that i think we live in right now we are the people who all of a sudden a messenger has come up and said hey there's actually a new king join him like he, the invitation is like hey join up with him join up with him and you could even go a different analogy but still tied in with this is hey you speak this weird language I speak a different language, you should learn it, because one day you're going to have to learn how to speak my language, you won't mm. be able to do anything in this kingdom.
0: Let me ask you guys this, how do we make the end of the story compelling now? And this kind of still, again, ties back into Act 5 and Act 6, but as we've been talking about, they do kind of go hand-in-hand hand a little bit. How do we make the end of the story compelling as Christians now?
2: When you say make it compelling, do you mean like... When communicate we it. Communicate yeah. it, or like when we're communicating to people who are asking about it? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, how do we... How do we represent the end in a way that's compelling?
2: Well, I mean, I think you just read Revelation 21 and say, hey, do you not want to live in a world with no death and no pain and no no mourning? I mean, would not would this not be a better state than what we find ourselves in? This is the hope that's held out mm. by the Bible. But I would say from a living standpoint, when if we actually model and live out the fruits of the Spirit, even though we may at times have certain rubs with with some of them maybe, I think all of us would look and say... I wish it was a world where there was gentleness and self control and love mm. and patience. Like, I wish we could see more of that in
1: the world. So, that's the language of new creation, if you will. And what's interesting about that dream is that, man, I wish it was like X, Y, and Z, is I don't think we realize that the only way the world can get there mm. is if every human being doesn't have a selfish thought. Yeah. So how how are we to get to that reality mm-hmm. if we don't have someone we're all looking to right. that is not us and the people that are looking to him live that out. Exactly. Truly. So
0: mm-hmm. it, I
2: think it's we we become what we behold. And what does Paul say in Philippians 3? Every knee Yeah. every knee will bow before Jesus.
0: It's whether you're doing it on your own or someone's pushing But you everyone will, will look at Jesus.
2: Everyone will see Jesus. And it's the idea that at that point you're you're beholding true humanity and, and divinity.
1: I mean, yeah. That, you sit any human being down and ask them what kind of world do you want, and the world that they're gonna want is the is the world that's described in Revelation twenty one twenty two. Absolutely. They just mm. don't want the king. Yeah. Yep. And so I think logically you can't have that world without Jesus.
0: Is the only king that can make that, that can create that world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we have this very utopian, you know, idea of progress of just like, you know, as human beings, whether it's technology, what we're gonna reach this state of like mm. utter enlightenment. And I'm just like, didn't the events of the twentieth century literally blow that wide open? Like yeah. I just Good think point. until you can completely dispel human pride, you will not have that world. But how do you get rid of pride? You have to realize you're not king. Yep. Mm. The entirety of humanity have to realize we are not the center of the universe. So who is? Well, Jesus overcame death, so he probably is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well so, put. Well put. So I think compelling, you know, I think, and that that kind of puts in, in kind of like you better bow the knee, which, you, you know, it's probably a good idea. But I think on a more, Bend the knee. by definition, compelling, like, I think we will, even now, the church. Like, I think it's Jesus is wanting us to recalibrate our imagination so that we see Him as truly desirable. Yeah, you know, and that I mean, and I think that's, what else does it mean to follow right. something unless you see it as desirable? Yeah, you know. And so, I love the verse in uh, I think it's in First Corinthians where Paul says essentially like we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another mm-hmm. as we behold Jesus. In First uh, John, I don't remember which epistle. But essentially, when he appears, when Jesus appears, like we will be transformed immediately to look like him, and we'll be yeah, we'll be like him. Like who doesn't want? Like when you think of yourself on your worst day, it's on those worst days you realize. Like I think we all have dreams of like our best, the best versions of ourselves. And what's cool is like by the Holy Spirit, we can actually be that. Yeah, Mm. we can have glimmers of that. Yeah, now. I mean, and
2: and what is? And Paul uses another metaphor. He's like, you know, now we see dimly, right, mm -hmm. through through a veil or through a glass. Like we're looking, we can't. But then, like face to face. Yeah. Like the idea is the veil will be pulled back. Mm-hmm. But right now we can we can kind of see something. I like how you can see through a veil. Yeah, N.T. Wright talks about this. Is like we have like signposts pointing into a fog. Yeah. It's like we know. Okay, that's the direction to that's go. That's cool. But it's like we're 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 still looking into a fog. Yeah, and then when you the fog is see, lifted one day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I think that
1: maybe going back to the point we were talking about. Uh, of becoming a people who's ready for that final reality, I think the imitation of all Jesus is to cultivate the habits of that new world now. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what the spiritual disciplines are all about. It's not about you better do it or God's gonna be mad at you. It's yeah. you know yeah, we good. become what we that's,
2: do. Philip is basically saying, hey, right now we need to learn in advance the language of new creation. Language being the character, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. And I think we conceptualize this idea that, okay, the people that will not inherit the new creation, it's almost like they're going to really want to, and I think in some ways that's true, but like God's going to be the bully at the door that says, no, didn't earn it, you know, you didn't trust me, didn't believe in me. And there's, there's truth there, right? I'm not dispelling that, but I think we take that maybe too far. I think there's another way to look at this, and they're not mutually exclusive, by the way, but this idea that, okay, people who don't learn the language now won't be ready for this and actually would hate it and would not want to be a part of it. And so C.S. Lewis talks about this and the idea that, you know, talking about the reality of hell, the doors are locked from the inside. This is what people have chosen. God respects human agency to the point to where he allows humans to completely flee from him and refuse to basically resist and submit to his love. So that's a possibility. And for the people who choose that road, new creation would be hell for them.
1: I think, uh, I'll just say this, you know, I think on any given day, I think when, uh, if if the beauty of a sunset strikes you, or like the beauty of your child, or your wife, or just the things that tend to aliven your spirit, you know, I think in a lot of ways those are echoes of what beholds those who belong to Jesus. So, I think we should end with a quote from a very good book,
2: The Last Battle, by C.S. Lewis. So, you yeah, know, in, in piggybacking off what Philip said, um, think of the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. Think of, like, the best coffee you've ever tasted. You think of those things, but they are just, like, they pale oh, yeah. into what you actually, you haven't actually tasted coffee yet. You haven't actually seen a sunset yet. This is the idea. Very meta. Yeah, this is the idea that C.S. Lewis talks about, um, and just this is a great... A great quote. Wait, actually, two. So, <laughs> one, he says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it until now. And then that's the famous come further up, come further in. That's the
0: unicorn from the last battle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: he says this. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. Mm. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Goodbye from the good brew. (laughs) There you go. Over
0: there and out. Very few people can word a phrase like C.S. Oh, Lewis like perfect. could. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to end not just this episode there, but this entire series there because Man, that is just what a, journey. a great way to end. If you guys have been listening for these last six episodes, we hope that all of it that we said made sense. But if some of it made sense, that's great. Reach out to us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, on email. You can go on our website and submit some questions. That's thegoodbrewpodcast.com. We're on the Twitters. We are on the Instagrams as Podcast. So reach out to us. In two weeks, we're going to be having an episode on the flood, so be on the lookout for that. But... Again, thank you guys so much for listening, as we say every episode, but we really mean it. Um, We really appreciate you guys listening, and it would help us out so much if you would go on to whatever format you're listening to this podcast on, leave us a review. Five stars would be awesome. One star will make us cry, but at least it's honest. And (laughs) Jordan's already crying just thinking about it. But yeah, that would mean so much to us, guys, and we would appreciate that a lot. Well, without further ado, goodbye from the good brew.